my team started to show me that, that they understood this at a level that, that even surpassed where I was at, or they were thinking broader or further than me, I was like, wow, this is so cool. So I found freedom in my schedule. And so I used that to be a leader that was helpful instead of rescuing. Welcome to your personal leadership accelerator. This is the Unbusy Leader Podcast with your host and leadership coach, James Mayhew. Well, this is the Unbusy Leader Podcast. I'm your host and coach, James Mayhew. And if you're new to the Unbusy Leader Podcast or just discovering it for the first time, let me say I am so glad you're here because the topics that we cover are essential to helping you level up as a leader to have more awareness of what's going on within your team and your organization, how to make yourself more available, and how you can strengthen your relationships by being more approachable. I actually talk about those three leadership attributes in, in depth in episode eight, so go back and check that one out when you get a chance. And those three attributes of leadership are, are absolutely essential in helping you become a more respected and trusted leader to help you become unbusy when you get intentional about creating margin time for your direct reports and your colleagues. Because as you'll often hear me say, the unbusy leader releases the talent, passion, and skill of everyone around them. Now we're smack dab in the middle of a series on the five undesirable attributes of leadership that any leader can struggle with, regardless of position or age or even experience. This is part three of five, so I'd encourage you to go back and listen to episodes 12 and 13, where we discuss the first two attributes that caused busyness, not just for you, but for your, for your team. And that's true regardless if you're a small business owner that has just a few employees, or if you oversee a lot of people in a larger organization. Your behaviors will create a ripple effect, and you have to decide if you want that ripple effect to be limiting and hurried. Or do you want to create an environment that is positive and empowering? I think you know which way you have to go. And here's the thing. Busyness is a tell. It's a sign that there's something not right within the culture of your organization. More specifically, is there something that's not right with the way that you're leading your team? And so you have to ask yourself, are there some behaviors that you're doing? consciously or unconsciously that are creating bottlenecks with things like communication or decision making. And so the content that we're talking about in this series is based on coaching from my Unbusy Leader workshops, as well as one-on-one -on -one coaching that I do all the time with my clients. And it's in these instances where I'm working closely with them and we take a deep dive into the reasons that we feel overly busy, hurried, and rushed. And it's frustrating when your team is constantly adjusting to things like changing deadlines, feeling like they have to rush through their work, and things get overlooked, which leads to mistakes and redos. It's frustrating when they feel like they're not able to give their best or, heaven forbid, they have to cut corners. And those are examples of how costly busyness can be and why I spend so much time teaching leaders to become less busy and more trusting of the people in their teams. And that's a great intro for our topic today, because today we're going to be talking about the rescuing leader. 
And so before we begin our topic today on the third negative leadership attribute that I'm calling the rescuer, I want to quickly tell you about an upcoming series of live online trainings where we get into the nuts and the bolts of essential skills that leaders need. This podcast is sponsored by the Level Up Leaders Training. This is a new training that I'm offering that focuses on six essential skills that separate mediocre leaders from great leaders. And so the Level Up Leader is a virtual six-week workshop and live group coaching program. And it's for anyone who's in a leadership role that is ready to level up and become a better leader for their team, business, and organization. It's for anyone who is being considered even for a management or leadership role. Each week, you and others will connect via Zoom for about a 45-minute session of teaching and workshop time with an additional 30 to 45 minutes built in for discussion and then group coaching. And I love this part because we learn from each other. So over the six weeks, you're going to learn what it takes to become an authentic leader, how to overcome the dark sides of leadership, which is great because we're talking about it in this series, how to set your team up for success with setting clear expectations, how to provide proactive accountability, and then finally, how to lead others who don't report directly to you, but are integral to your team's success. Now, those six topics are what I tend to run into over and over when working with leaders that you've just never had an opportunity to learn this stuff. So this isn't leadership 101 stuff. So new leaders, you're not going to feel like you got left behind because it went over your head too quickly. And just as much experienced leaders, you're not going to feel bored with this. In fact, it's the group coaching element that will enrich the experience for both. So I hope you'll consider being part of that and you can learn more at my website, jamesmayhew.com slash level up. So today we're going to be talking about the third type of negative leadership trait that I'm calling the rescuer. And like before, when we were covering the controller and the critic, we're going to dissect what it means to be a rescuer from two different angles. So the first way is we're going to talk about what it looks like. So how do you identify a rescuer? How do you know if you're if you are a rescuer? And the second way is how the rescuer contributes to a culture of busyness and then the negative impact that it creates all around. Now, I believe these negative attributes are born from good places. It's probably because it's worked in the past and that and that proved good for you. And the same is true when you're working uh, with a team and you have this tendency to rescue. Again, I believe it's born from a place of of good intent. But as you grow and if you've never experienced any constructive, helpful, honest feedback about these tendencies, they tend to persist. And pretty soon, this becomes a normal way of doing business for you. So let's look at a few of the traits of the rescuer. And I hope you identify if these are some of the things that maybe you do or you have experienced happening. So the rescuer doesn't really believe in others' abilities, uh, at least not in a full capacity. So they hold back on giving authority or maybe they hold back on assigning challenging jobs because they feel like they shouldn't delegate too much or too great of responsibilities. They even apologize for giving hard work out, and that leads to them wanting to take it back because they see that person, again, struggling to to do it well. And instead of moving into support and coach, 
they go into rescuer mode. And so the rescuer says things and sounds like this. Uh, Susan, I'm sorry that I assigned that to you. It's clearly that was too big of a project for you. Uh, how about I take that one back and I'm going to give you a couple of these other things. And so that way you can stay busy and I'll stay busy. It also might sound like this. This has been a real strain for you. I Oh, I know how busy you are and how many other things that you have going on. I'm sorry that I that I put all of those those intense deadlines and, and that big of a project on you. Let me take it back. So again, the rescuer creates an environment of like sympathy and apology and weak leadership and people who don't feel like they can do the big things or that they're never going to get them anyway. So why, why even worry about it? And they just become disengaged workers. And this results in things like boredom. So every day I just going to come in, I'm going to punch the clock. I'm going to put my eight hours in. I'm bored. I don't have any fun anymore. So listen, I guess they just want me to come in and do my job. They don't speak up in meetings. They don't bring new ideas. And they just start to, again, disengage even further. Because what what they're experiencing is a lack of creativity. They're not getting a chance to tap into what makes them special, to what makes them unique and great. They're not having a chance to, to grow. And so the rescuer always limits the growth of the people on their team. This is not what leadership is or should be. And it's really not what would even good leaders intend to do and what I mean by that is, is there's a bunch of good leaders out there that don't realize that they're actually doing this. And that's why this series is so important to highlight some of these negative attributes of leaders that cause disengagement, that that lead to people feeling disempowered, that lead to busyness and a lack of innovation and a lack of growth. It's very countercultural, even in the best of organizations. This stuff can creep up. I guarantee you it creeps up if we're not teaching people how to look for it. And if we're not giving feedback around it, we're going to create an accidental culture where we're confining and limiting instead of accelerating and elevating growth. We're actually doing the opposite. As I've said, the rescuer has good intentions, but tends to overcompensate and they take an unhealthy psychological ownership of things. And to the rescuer, it feels good. It feels loving and it, and it feels helpful. But as I said to the individual, it's demotivating and even it can be insulting. It's almost as if the rescuer is saying you're incapable. Imagine how that would feel. Maybe some of you have experienced that before. And as the rescuer, you end up carrying that person who's struggling. You never permit them to grow. As a leader, one of your first and biggest priorities is to give responsibility, to give ownership, And when you find that they're struggling, to coach them through that, to ask questions of them, to find out what it is that they're struggling most with, what the reasons might be, what do they need that maybe they don't have. It could be knowledge. It could be a tool. It could be time. It could be all of those things. So what a rescuer actually is doing on their team is that they're creating helpless followers. Now, as we've talked before, there have been some strengths finder themes. Now, this is not universal. I'm saying they could contribute to your desire to be a rescuer. So I'm going to name a few of them. I've got four significance, achiever, empathy, and responsibility. Let me unpack each one of those briefly here. 
a person who has the strength theme of, of significance is naturally wired to really take uh, ownership of things and to say, this is mine. You know, they lead with a lot of me and my type of statements. They might refer to you on their team as you're part of my team. They want to know others and they want to be known by others. They want to be seen in high regard. So naturally, if you rescue, that is a propensity that someone with significance may have. Let's talk about the achiever. Achievers tend to outwork others, especially if it gets paired with responsibility, which we'll talk about in a minute. But achievers feel like they need to get things done now, that they they are unsettled. If I can't check this off today or this week or, or if the deadline is coming up and I can't check it off, that makes an achiever feel um, very stressed. Now, that's magnified. Let's talk about responsibility real quick because a person with high responsibility as a strength, not just a value, but I'm talking about as a strength, that that is really going to drive how they look at where the project is. And if there's been a commitment made, man, the person that is as driven with responsibility will not miss a deadline, if, even if it means that they work 75, 80, 90, 100 hours that week. A lot of people who are great individual contributors may have had achiever and responsibility. They're very common themes, actually. And so what makes you really good as an individual contributor is going to drive you into that leadership role. But those are things that you have to like take your you have to take your hand off the wheel a little bit and trust and empower your people to do those things. You have to refocus your achiever and responsibility to being leadership based instead of task based. And then the final strength that I want to talk about with you real quick is empathy, is that we feel the emotions of others. And so when you are a leader and you've given a an important project that is uh, is maybe going to cause that person to really have to stretch and grow, you might sense their apprehension. You might you might sense their concern. And those emotions then might drive you to want to take it back. So there are ways, again, to coach around this. And that is to remember that is it more empathetic to rescue them or is it better to lead them and help them grow? So let's talk about the effect that being a rescuer has on your team. You know, I alluded to it already. When you rescue people, you are creating doubt. You're communicating that somebody isn't capable of handling that, that they're not ready. And so now these big, important projects that might come to your department, that might come to your team or that your entire organization is supposed to be working on, you again, as a rescuing leader, become a bottleneck if you are taking them over. And so suddenly, not only do you have the responsibilities of leading people and teams, you've taken on all of this high level contribution that you have to do. I want to I want to express something to you. Uh, this has been a struggle for me at times. I can remember in uh, one environment in particular that I failed at letting my team take on some of the more significant projects that I felt like I really wanted to take ownership on. And the truth of it was, is I thought that I would be the best one to do it. And so I, I learned one of the ways to work through that was, is I would invite my team to, to like think it through with me and, and create some concepts. And it was at that moment that I realized how intelligent and how talented those people on my team were. They're saying stuff that I haven't even thought of. And that was a real great eye opener for me. That comes back to being aware 
and being available and being approachable because I learned how to do those things. That's why I coach them and I know the benefits of them. And so when, when my team started to show me that, that they understood this at a level that, that even surpassed where I was at, or they were thinking broader or further than me, I was like, wow, this is so cool. So I found freedom in my schedule. And so I used that to be a leader that was helpful instead of rescuing. And I had to swallow a humble pill on this. I was really good with the idea and charting the, you know, maybe the course and the direction and kind of the why, but I had some great teammates that, that knew how to put it into action and they could do it faster and they had a plan and it just came to them. And then they said, listen, if we, when we get to this point, then we're going to go here. And I went, wow, that's way cool. This is, is how I shifted in my own leadership from being that high level, high impact contributor to being a leader and letting my team do what they do best and getting out of the way. The more that I got out of the way, that my team grew faster, they grew further, and then it was my job to make sure that I was coaching them, that I was teaching them uh, some of the other aspects that I wanted to pass on to them, such as how to be um, proactive in your communication and what proactive accountability looked like. And then they were then teaching that and training it to the teams that they were working with. And so we created, like what I talked about at the beginning, a positive ripple effect of empowerment and success and wins. Because prior to that, I was creating a ripple effect of confinement and limitation. Leaders, we have to become great our teams need it. Our organizations need it. Our clients, the customers, everybody that we serve needs us to take our hands off the wheel a little bit and stop trying to rescue, stop trying to control, and stop being overly critical. And as we wind down in the next couple of episodes, we're going to be talking about the avoider, and then we're going to talk about the people pleaser. And then at the end of the people pleaser one, because that'll be the fifth episode, I'm going to pull all this together, and I'm going to address one phrase that I have used throughout, I'm not going to identify it now. I want you to, I want you to maybe consider it and think about what that phrase might be, or even that word. What is so important about this is it's going to change how you think about leading. Okay. So I want to thank you for being part of this episode and uh, I'll look forward to catching you the next time. And remember the unbusy leader releases the talent, the passion and the skill of everyone around them.